listeners, I'm Michael Lanspa, Web Director for the ATS Critical Care Assembly. Thank you for listening. This Breathe Easy podcast is very exciting to me because it pertains to critical care ultrasound and the upcoming new critical care echo boards. I'm joined today by three experts in critical care echo who are all contributing members of the critical care echo board. Hiroshi Sekiguchi, Assistant Professor of Medicine at Mayo Clinic and ATS representative for the critical care echo boards. Seth Koenig, Professor of Medicine at Hofstra University and one of the co-chairs of the ACCP Critical Care Ultrasound Working Group, and Tony Hernandez, Associate Professor of Anesthesia at Vanderbilt University and Chair of the SCCM Ultrasound Committee. First, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Glad to be here. Seth, I'd like to start by asking how necessary is critical care echo? To answer that question, I would ask the question back, how necessary is it to know the categorization of a shock state in any patient that comes into the ICU? Critical care echocardiography, I believe, should be done by every intensivist. What we're talking about today is advanced critical care echo as it pertains to uh, the boards that we are working on. What do you mean by advanced critical care echo? So I would say that for advanced echocardiography, you know, it's uh, an interpretation of uh, an acquisition and interpretation of images. But I think we need to make clear what concepts are advanced and what concepts are not advanced. In general, I think uh, the echocardiography that we're describing here um, that is different from, say, like uh, a cardiology uh, exam is that we're monitoring changes and uh, it's not as a very fine diagnostic-driven study, although that has that that capability, we're really focused on sort of identifying which stage in in shock we're in and how is the patient responding to therapy versus just kind of coming in doing a one-time exam and saying, oh, this is what's going on, but with no intent of coming back afterwards. I agree with Tony. Advanced critical care echocardiography is, I think, it's a specific, unique entity. It's different from outpatient traditional comprehensive echocardiography. The comprehensive echocardiography focuses more on the risk stratifying for coronary artery disease, deciding the timing of elective valvular surgery or defibrillator placement. But the critical care echocardiograph is done by provider, interpreted at the bedside. It's a completely different entity. The studies show that it changes the management up to 50% of the uh, cases in acute uh, setting. I I would like to add that I feel that any intensivist should be able to do the basic views and categorize the shock and, for instance, say that somebody's left ventricle is very hypocontractile, whether it's severe or not. What, What distinguishes maybe the advance is that someone then may be able to use sort of Doppler techniques to define actually what that low flow state is, such as getting a stroke volume, and then being able to look at changes, say, if you put an inotrope on to see if the stroke volume changes with what you're doing. I think that most intensivists, if we can get them to the point of basic critical care echo to evaluate the right ventricle, the left ventricle, and grossly, you know, the pericardium and valves, but there may be a subset of people, as we're learning, that would like to be able to do some of the finer things, which is to quantify some of the, the valvular and stroke volume and things that we're talking about. I think that's uh, very well stated by Seth. I also wanted to go back to your comment, uh, Michael, about the term necessary, because a lot of what we're describing, there are very strong clinicians out there who will say, I can do all of that by interpretation of my existing technology. And I think one can use the word necessary. I mean, how necessary is it that we have email on our phone? 
it's not necessary, but it really, if you don't have email on your phone, for example, you start falling behind on your communication that is perhaps expected at work. Uh, and unfortunately, it's a reality of technology, and that is that and if we don't adopt it, we find ourselves falling a little bit further behind. So, uh, you know, I, I would say it's actually possibly not necessary at this time, but that in 10 years, if, you, if you're not doing this, I would say you're, you're definitely behind and may have an impact on uh, your practice. I really find it hard to believe that anybody would argue that if you could immediately see that the right ventricle is dilated as opposed to waiting for a formal echo or not getting one at all, how that's not um, a component that everybody would want. Well, so I think that brings me uh, to my next question. We've, we've got a lot of people here that are uh, applying ultrasound in clinical practice already. So why do we need certification if so many people are already doing this in practice? When it comes to advanced critical care echocardiogram, it's highly operator-dependent examination, I think. Um, when it comes to Doppler examination, a quantification of the chamber sizes and uh, valvulopathy, it's quite operator-dependent. Plus, it requires multiple skills to do a successful examination, first starting with deploying ultrasound, then image acquisition and the image interpretation, then incorporating that into clinical decision-making. So I believe that certification process will serve as a mechanism to help patients or clinicians and maybe insurers to identify who really is competent in taking those multiple steps accurately when applying the critical care echocardiogram. I think that we're already jumping a tremendous hurdle. We are stepping on a time-honored tradition where uh, a consultation with echocardiographers was being asked for, and now we're saying that we can do it. And I think that this is just a way to help legitimize uh, what we're doing. The other thing I would add is that there are uh, multiple providers now adopting this technology. By establishing a certification process, we can all pretty much identify what that individual uh, is capable of. We can at least affirm uh, a basic knowledge of uh, echocardiography and ultrasound and also that they have demonstrated the skill set to be able to become certified. And so it allows us to have a little bit better communication and expectation of one another uh, based on the particular standard. You know, if you begin to speak about Doppler or you be begin to speak about other things from people who say, oh, I did an ultrasound exam, they may not exactly understand what you're referring to. And we're beginning to see this in practice where people will apply ultrasound and, and sometimes they applied it in the correct fashion, but for example, they'll examine an IVC with a patient who's sitting completely upright. Well, that's not really how the literature suggests we do it. And so I think this process allows us to refine um, the communication that we can have with each other, and furthermore, perhaps what those who, uh, who read our reports or who ask us to perform an exam, what expectations they may have of us. Well, so let's say that I uh, end up meeting someone who ends up getting certified into critical care echo boards, and I'm, let's say I'm not, but I just meet someone. What should they be able to understand and know? Well, they should be able to know the, <clears throat> the standard set of views that anybody in, as an intensivist should know. We, we usually talk about five basic views. And then above and beyond that, I think that we want to take people who basically do qualitative assessment. 
So is the RV bigger than the LV? Is the LV working? Is there pericardial fusions? Do the valves look okay? That's all qualitative measurement. And then learn to quantify the measurements using Doppler techniques, color Doppler, spectral Doppler, uh, the finer aspects of uh, changes in stroke volume when you add an ionotrope, as Tony was saying, follow the progression of disease in a more quantitative fashion as opposed to just a qualitative fashion. In my, in my mind, that's one of the biggest differences because the way I describe to most people, and I'm not sure if you, if you other two agree, but that a lot of critical care ultrasound or specifically echocardiography can be done just with your eyeballs. But once you move into a quantitative assessment, that's where that finer uh, points start to come out, and that's also where a lot of the in-depth knowledge of both physics and nobology and all of the other views come into play. I, uh, I agree with Seth. To give an anecdote, I suppose, is that is where you distinguish those who are able to are down the correct path, where they'll tell you, they look at the right ventricle, for example, and they'll say, you know, that doesn't look too bad. I think that only looks mildly depressed. But yet when you apply the TAPSI measure, they realize, wow, I was totally wrong. And so that is, I think, where the certification allows us to really eliminate that guess factor. We start really refining down into, can we actually make a correct assessment of what's happening instead of sort of just people doing this often but not really having the skill set to support their assessment? I agree with you both. When you actually see the announced content of the examination by National Board of Echocardiography, it focuses more on hemodynamic management in acutely ill patients. So I think somebody who's certified in critical care board examination, I think the certification means that that person is capable of running a echo-guided resuscitation or echo-guided evaluation of the patients effectively. That's great. Uh, what about uh, any issues with, like, for example, like lung assessment or abdominal assessment? Will that be included? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. <clears throat> I think where we're coming from is a point that we make the, uh, the assumption that all people who are going to take the advanced critical care echo or the certification, whatever we uh, deem it, uh, is already proficient in all the other areas of critical care ultrasound because the, another major difference between advanced critical care echo is that the examiner will use lung ultrasonography and abdominal stuff and all of that to integrate into the clinical picture. And I think that's another distinguishing feature of this versus, you know, a cardiologist doing comprehensive echo. I completely agree with you, Seth. When we evaluate the patient, it's rarely use echocardiogram alone. We use combination of echocardiogram. It could be vascular examination lung examination and abdominal examination. So I would not be surprised that the basic knowledge of lung, abdominal, vascular, ultrasound being asked during the board examination. Uh, so once, once the exam is done, how, how is the board going to certify competency? Is there any other expectation like uh, documentation of uh, doing a certain number of echoes or is it just passing the written test? It's a great question that I'm hoping that the three of us agree that we don't know yet. <laughs> I think we, we believe that there will be some other requirements besides just taking the examination. Um, I think that there will be some ability for us to be able to look at a, a portfolio 
and some other way to make sure that it's not just book smarts that someone is taking an exam to pass. But I'm not sure that we fully yet, and that's why we're, you know the exam isn't finished. Um, we are we are meeting actually again in a couple of weeks to start these conversations. Okay, great. I, I agree with that. Uh, we don't know. However, being that this is coming from the National Board of Echocardiography, um, they they have a tradition and they have a skill of being able to. To offer these uh, type of exams for other areas. And so I would imagine that they're going to continue in the same form and likely meet the same mold, for lack of a better word, in, the, in that there will be an exam and that will be only part of it. Um, and then uh, at following, we suspect there will be a certain number of exams that will need to be submitted for review uh, by the National Board of Echocardiography. But uh, that uh, is yet to be determined. Seth and Tony, I think there are a few pathways available in the standard uh, cardiology echocardiogram board examination, so I suspect there are a few potential pathways uh, made available by NBE for intensivists. Yeah, that probably will be true, and, and probably uh, we will make things uh, a little bit more inclusive at the beginning, um, but I think we'll all have to make that decision. Okay, well, so let's say I'm a a fellow or a junior attending who wants to learn how to do critical care echo, but I don't have anyone in my department who's sufficiently skilled to train me. How do I go about learning these skills? What advice do you have for our listeners? If you don't have a good mentor, it is very difficult uh, for somebody to become quite uh, good at critical care echocardiography, especially advanced critical care echocardiography. My, my suggestion is that at least from the ACCP standpoint, and I, can't, I can only speak for, for us, is that you know, we put together an advanced critical care uh, echo course that, that starts to you know, put this together and that we rely on people to go back to their places of work and forge a good relationship with the cardiographers that are there, the echocardiographers that are there, because they're instrumental. I mean, people need to get to an echo lab and need to uh, watch and see how people are doing echo. And I think that it's a really, really tough thing. There are more and more people that are doing remote testing and remote training. Uh, I know some people that are actually doing this. So with, uh, with video capability these days and social media, people are actually doing training at the bedside over YouTube and, 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 and different types of uh, media. And I think that uh, forging a good relationship with the people that you work with in the in the hospital system is helpful, including the the echocardiogra the echocardiographers, the technicians that come to the bedside. They um they a lot of times are extremely helpful and sometimes starved for interaction. I agree with that, and I think that the. First step is to have the learner establish commitment from the institution. If they don't have, at least the, the people we see frequently at these national meetings that keep coming back to us are the ones that learn a lot from the courses. However, they don't have a machine to practice on when they get back home. And so as a result, they lose a lot of what they've gained. Uh, so they need to establish commitment from the institution that they're going to have access to a platform, uh, whatever kind it is, but you know, it needs to be an ultrasound machine that is geared for examining critical care patients. Once they are able to establish access or whether it be a purchase of a, a specific machine for the ICU, they should really get with their representative and go over all of the knobology and really have full command of that. Then they can approach a, a, a course 
but I totally agree with Seth. This is how I sort of learned uh, when, you know, uh, at least from a, a, a critical care ultrasound standpoint, is I had a strong collab- collaboration with uh, sonographers, particularly the uh, the echocardiography sonographers and cardiologists, and and you know that that was huge for my personal development. But without commitment from the institution, it's really hard to move on to the next step even if you attend one to two courses a year. I agree with you both. I think this new board examination can serve as a stepstone. Maybe we can form a collaboration with cardiology or other colleagues in a different division. Uh, Once they recognize such board examination is there and initiated by MBE so that they can collaborate and they can also guide us and we can learn from each other. Well said. So I I have another question about uh, some critical care echocardiographers have taken and passed the National Board of Echoes standard examination. Do those people need to take this board exam as well? (laughs) That's a great question, especially since I fall into that category and probably you two as well. I suppose that we'll probably come up with the idea that if you've passed the exam, that there's no reason to take this exam until the 10 years has gone by, just like you would be recertifying in any uh, examination. Um, but, but again, I think we need to discuss that a little further. Personally, I do not believe that those colleagues need to retake the new board examination if they're already in practice and practicing critical care medicine and know how to apply advanced critical care echocardiogram. I'm going to add a little bit of a twist to this one, Um, and I think Seth is right on the money in that we all fall in this category. As Hiroshi mentioned, I think there's that percentage of images that are not in the other examinations to include lung and pleural, vascular, and abdominal imaging. Uh, It's one thing to take an exam. It's another thing to have to develop the imaging, and I think that is what's contributed by the element of certification versus passing the examination. I think Seth is correct. I think all of us probably do this already, but now that you have to probably, when you start thinking, well, I have to submit images, I want to get some really good images, and that means you're going to do more imaging and become more proficient at this. For the listeners who are training in critical care echo and are preparing for this exam, any advice that you have? I would advise the candidates to remain vigilant uh, uh, for communication through their respective societies and to monitor the National Board of Echocardiography website. Uh, as I foresee, they'll be having some uh, pings of information uh, in the months to come. Uh, I also imagine they're going to be board-reviewed courses uh, uh, coming uh, from the various societies, and I know there's one offered already as early as November 6. So, I mean, I think uh, all, all these courses will will become advertised through the individual societies, and that that's a good place to start. I agree. The societies will have a lot of information as we move forward. Yeah, there are also many good books and DVDs available. To ideally, finding a mentor able to directly supervise your technical skills and interpretation skills would be ideal. Well, that's great. We're out of time, so this is going to conclude our Breathe Easy podcast. For those of you who are interested in certification, the exam date is January 15, 2019. You can get more information on www.echoboards.org. I'd like to thank our guests, Drs. Tony Hernandez, Seth Koenig, and Hiroshi Sekiguchi for joining me in this excellent discussion. Uh, This is Michael Lanspa for the American Thoracic Society Critical Care Assembly. Thank you.